Hello and welcome to the Encouraging Angels podcast with Stan Szymanski. I'm your host, Stan Szymanski. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, and I have a tremendous show for you today. Neither Encouraging Angels nor Stan Szymanski nor anyone nor anyone affiliated with Encouraging Angels is offering any type of advice on this program. We do not offer personal advice. We do not offer legal advice. We do not offer medical advice. We do not offer financial advice. We do not offer personal advice of any kind. Please consult a professional in the area of your need or interest. I thought I would share this uh, article with you today, parts of the article, um, so that you can continue to surmise in your head what your plans are when things really fall apart. Now, for those who are disabled, those are who are caretaking the disabled, you know, you in a way, you have an advantage because, you know, a substantial part of your life has already fallen apart. I mean, in people who deal with catastrophic illness, families like, like ours, uh, you know, 80% of the marriages fail and 90% of them bankrupt. So uh, if you have survived at least partially <laughs> through that, you have a leg up actually, at least in the, the mental state on how to survive you know, what is coming and realizing that things do happen and that when everyone is going to go through this at the same time, uh, you don't want to be in the same mindset as everybody else where there's just chicken little, you know, and, and the sky has fallen. Although the, at that point, the sky will have fallen. You need to be a step or two ahead in order to um, stay out of the way of really bad stuff. And so even though this article uh, that I'm going to share part of uh, is written, it's mostly for, you know, let's say, quote, normal people, unquote, of who really is normal. <laughs> um, but it certainly has a... Uh, a meaning for the caretakers and the disabled. But like I said, this is really for everyone. Because when this happens, the mindset of everyday survival has to change. You know, right now, I mean, if you're a school teacher, you wake up in the morning, you know, Let's say you take a shower, you know, brush your teeth and get dressed, jump in your car and go teach the kids. Come home, grade some papers and do it again. That's a simplification, but you know what I mean. If all everything breaks down, let's say because of an EMP, like they used in the article here, electromagnetic pulse, which is the explosion of a nuclear device, uh, say, 100 miles over the middle of the United States, it would no virt knock out virtually all of the electronic equipment. And if that happens, you know, the government has done studies and said that 90% uh, of all people uh, will be dead in a year because of their dependence on the grid. 
Now, uh, before I go further into this, uh, and, and just to follow up on what I just said about the 90%, if you are a caregiver and you are responsible for you know someone in your charge that has medical needs, especially when it comes to electricity, like like our family, we needed a suction machine for our daughter, like a, an oxygen concentrator, you know, like a CPAP machine, and it can go on and on. You know, by doing some planning now, you could potentially be able to still deliver those services when, you know, the U.S. goes grid down or sections of the U.S. goes grid down or whatever, you know, happens. But if people, you know, if there ain't no work to be had, you know, Jesus said in John 9, you know, that Jesus had to keep doing the work of his father because the night comes when no man can work. And it will just be you and whatever you got and whatever abilities you have. So uh, I ask you to consider, you know, something like a uh, a, a solar generator that with a, you know, a, a small solar panel set up and a, uh, you know, the solar generator, which consists of the battery the um, the inverter, you know, and the charge controller. You know, it's basically all in one except for the panel. And you can deliver at least a modicum of service to your individual. Like you could run a, a suction machine when needed. Because that's only, when you run a suction machine, you might run it 15 times a day, but you're only running it for, you know, 20 seconds at a time. A CPAP machine is a little different. And you and 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 a solar generator can still do that job. It's just going to take a lot more energy, you know, overnight to do that. Um, and so you might have to plan extra, you know, for that. For an oxygen concentrator, that's a lot. That's a big a, a big ask. And you're talking about, uh, you know, banks of batteries where you're charging one bank of battery and you're using one, something like that. I have not you know, gone through planning for that, but, um, you know, it can be done. You could do that with car batteries. If you know what you're doing, you know, you can make, you know, you can make your own, uh, solar generator. You can have solar panels. I mean, you can, if you look right now, I have seen solar panels on sale on Amazon, hundred watt panels for $70. You could get two of those, a charge controller, you know, for make sure you get the MMPT, which is more efficient, um, for 30, 40 bucks, 50, 60 bucks. And a, uh, the big thing is, you know, the battery and the inverter. And then, uh, you know, you could, uh, you know, you just do your investigation, you know, into that. It, you can make yourself a bigger bank. Um, it's hard to, uh, when you have to really consider big jobs, um, it just gets more expensive. But do what you can. Do what you can. Um, and, of course, you need food, water, shelter, energy that we just talked about, and protection, which one big one is being where a whole lot of people aren't being where a whole lot of people aren't. 
Okay, now let's uh, let's get to this article. This is from the Organic Prepper. If you don't know about Daisy Luther, she's a good person to check out. Lots and lots of resources on her site. And she helped to make famous this guy named Selco, S-E-L-C-O, who survived uh, the Balkan War, who, uh, you know, they were trapped in a city for a year with no resources, and he survived. So that's why you want to give this guy some, some cred in listening to what he has to say. So she interviews him a little bit. It's mostly Selco talking. And again, this is written. His name is Selko Begovic. And she asks him, what were the worst mental stressors during the situation in Bosnia that are probably common in many long-term scenarios? And Selko says, obviously it was a situation when violence was very widely used and in a sporadic way, very often without any logic. Uh, so people lived under constant physical threat and also in very poor condition. On first look, that was mental stressors. But this part or field of survival is, in my opinion, very important and commonly overlooked in prepper community, and there is much more to it. It is a huge topic, but we can touch on some of this in the article. I researched it a lot. A few factors were important and will be important in any future collapse event. Number one, loss of control. If you are living a normal average life with your family, you have a job, kids go to school, you go to the physician when you're sick, kids eat their favorite foods. There are police for problems. There is law and order. Everybody knows its place more or less. You feel that you are in control of your life and lives of your family. And then one day all that is gone. You find yourself in the world where very often things of life and death are a matter of pure coincidence, or luck if you like, or a matter of event. For example, there is, uh, is there uh, going to uh, be rain that day for enough water? People had a very hard time of dealing with it. You can be prepared very well to some extent, but also you need to be prepared that for a number of things, big number, you are simply not in control anymore. Number two, hopelessness. Hopelessness is the big word when it comes to survival. And from my experience, it is hard to beat it. A survival event that lasts for a few days, even a week or two, is like a camping trip. Something like people go together, share food, help. There are nights spent next to lamps. Violence is possible, but not widespread because people see that event is going to last only for a week or two. Some people are going to take chance and do violence or stealing, but the majority is going to keep it together to the end of SHTF. Events that last for a month or two are harder. More violence and harder time, but still, people see that everything going to go back to normal. When you are thrown into an event that looks, or you think, like it's going to be a permanent or very prolonged condition, rules change. From one side, you have people 
that are not going to be so nice and helpful to each other simply because they see this is going to last and they're going to be forced to fight for resources. And from the other side, you're going to have hopelessness. Most humans need to see cause in order to operate on the proper way. Or in other words, in hard conditions, people need to see light no matter how far it is. Otherwise, you might just mentally surrender because it is hopeless to push on. Number three, resetting of the values. In normal life, if you, for example, lawyer or clerk or teacher or famous writer, and then one day the world collapses, let's say because of EMP. Again, that's electromagnetic pulse. In 20 days... You find out that you are living in the world where you are valuable if you can quickly and effectively chop the trees or pickle vegetables or repair weapons or invent a setup to charge car batteries or simply shoot from the rifle. I am not saying a teacher or a writer is useless in SHTF, but values are reset. And simply, if you do not have any immediate useful skills, you'll be forced to learn it and you'll be forced to understand that your values, knowledge, and skills that you had prior to collapse simply may not be valuable anymore. People had problems with this new value system. People have responsibilities. Number four is responsibility. People have responsibilities in normal time taking care of their families. Those responsibilities are still there, when some serious collapse comes, but because the system is out, all help is out too. For example, you are responsible for your old mother who has high blood pressure problem and there's no doctor anymore. There's no medicine. There is no help from the system for your kid who has special needs. For example, you realize that everything is up to you. Some people simply could not take that. People could not watch their sick kids because they could not help them. Some people would simply surrender or leave everything. I want to stop right here and just comment. During normal times, there are a lot of people who abandon dis disabled and special needs folks. Um, you know, again, I quote those numbers that 80, when it comes to catastrophic illness, you know, 80% of the marriages fail and 90% of the families bankrupt. And, um, you know, a lot of times the guy leaves because the guy just has a, uh, a problem believing that that kid is, you know, part of his responsibility came from his gene pool. You know, women uh, uh, in general, again, uh, I hate to make generalizations, but uh, I, I, I was, you know, inside special, in, special needs institutions for 15 years and, you know, 70, 80 percent of the workers there are women. It's be, women can handle the mental part of dealing with um 
uh, special needs and, and disability. It's just the way it is. That's in my experience. Um, but, you know, again, this fact that the man leaving is not a, it's not a good fact. It's a bad fact. And especially when you start talking about scenarios like grid down, war, I mean, all these kind of things, and a man leaves, that is, um, man, that, that is an extremely bad development for a family. When, uh, you know, most men would have the ability to, to do a bit more physical work on average. Um, and especially in those kind of situations, because when you really start to evaluate what's, you know, what happens if, 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 if because of an EMP, you know, all electricity is out, all of a sudden you're, ba- you're basically, you know, back to um, the year, uh, you know, 1859 for all intents and purposes, where you're going to have to do a lot of work to procure water and food to grow it. I mean, you had better start thinking about things like this. Because those are the people that will be valuable, that have those skills, understand what the heck they're doing with gardening, farming, you know, collecting water, protecting their homestead, uh, you know, in addition to taking care of who they have charge of. You need to think about these things. You know, they go on to talk in this article about bending the rules. I mean, people will be faced with, you know, I mean, they're going to start thinking about stealing. They're going to th- start about thinking about doing harm to someone to get what they want. Uh, you know, and, and it talks more about the mindset, you know, that is necessary. And it does talk about the need to have information. Uh, Selco talked about a guy named Ed. It wasn't his real name, but anyway, he called him Ed. Um, and that Ed always had information. And Ed actually survived the whole uh, ordeal in the Balkans alone. He wasn't part of a group, part of a family. But he always had information. Now, how he got it, I don't know. But, you know, it's a, a good um, thought to be thinking about things like having a shortwave radio, having a ham radio, because, you know, during normal times, non-emergency times, um, ham radio, um, you know, if you talk on it and don't have a license, um, the FCC can uh, fine you like quite substantially, thousands of dollars. So you don't want to do that, but um, you can listen all you want. And the same thing with the shortwave radio is about listening and gathering information. You can be quite valuable in your neighborhood if you have those abilities and that little bit of equipment to do that. I mean, you can get a shortwave and and a, you know, a small antenna and pick up a lot of information for 20 bucks, 20, 25 bucks. You can buy a ham radio, you know, a handheld like a Beofeng that we've talked about previously on the show here uh, for 25 bucks. You know, you get the whole kit and caboodle with, um, you know, the extra battery, the push to talk mic, the better antenna uh, and a USB charging cable. You know, you might be talking talking 60 or 70 bucks completely tricked out. 
um, and to have, I mean, a lot more capability. And I will say that, you know, even having FRS radios, which are the little blister pack radios you buy at Walmart, I mean, having those for like your group or family, uh, man, you can accomplish a lot more and uh, stay in touch, you know, locally within a half a mile of where you're at, um, you know, quite nicely with those. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, but having information just for the, uh, the reason of giving knowledge and hope to people, uh, is important, very important. Human nature is still human nature. Um, but having some kind of preparation Again, I keep talking about it, and the prices have gone up, but you can still, like at Costco, buy a 25-pound bag of rice for $12.50. That's 50 cents a pound. Um, you know, the Army has done, or the, the military has done studies, and it takes about 750 pounds of food to keep a fighting man in the field for a year. Um, that's a lot of food. People don't think about it. I mean, it's a game of calories. Yes, you you need nutrition. You need vitamins and, you know, all the trace minerals, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to have calories, you know, just to be able to go, you know, right, to go out and pick up firewood. You have to have calories. So you need calorically dense foods, you know, rice, beans, potatoes, et cetera. You need the other stuff too, but... uh I mean, while you can get it, I mean, you have to consider this now because what's going to happen when the store's closed or it's open one day a week that there is you that you can only buy 50 bucks worth of stuff and that doesn't allow you to buy a whole much, bunch of stuff because of the inflation. What happens then? Okay, you've got to pay attention. Like the, the time is, <laughs> is, I mean, the powers that be want a war. They are bringing about a war. I mean, the Deagle Report, which is no longer online, um, but was published for years and years, you could look at it, D-E-A-G-L-E, it talks about the extermination of 250 million people or the reports of 250 million Americans not being there anymore. And that, you know, the GDP way less, the military budget way less. I mean, there are some evil people in this world, evil. And you have to, you know, have some way to, uh, you know, <laughs> handle what they have in store for you. That's, this is my humble opinion. So, uh, you know, one of the other things they talked about, you know, is having some simple things that like, give you a boost and make you just feel better like having like some hard candy i mean i know it sounds simple and almost ridiculous compared to the uh the enormity of the subject that i'm discussing today but you know that little piece of candy gives you you know a, a the sugar boost but it also you know it, it kind of gives you a, a boost of uh, uh emotionally you know, so those little things can mean a lot. And of course, having faith 
in God. Trusting Jesus Christ is the most important thing that anyone can do in their life. Because Jesus lived the perfect life that we, none of us, could ever live. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we all need a Savior. And Jesus lived the perfect life, you know, as an Israelite, as a Hebrew, you know, to fulfill the law, which none of us could ever do. What's the law? The Ten Commandments, basically. And so he was the unblemished, the perfect lamb of God. And his sacrifice of his life was sufficient to take away the sins of the world for those that trust his finished work on the cross and make him the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, that he's the king, that he's sitting on the throne of your life, not you. And that he is your savior, that you believe that his death on the cross is sufficient for the remission of sin. And then he rose again to give us eternal life. That's the most important thing. And that kind of faith will help you know, get you through whatever is coming. So I have this article, you know, up on Encouraging Angels at you know, encouragingangels.org, EA blog, who survives and dies and who dies when the SHTF. And SHTS, SHTF stands for, I'll let you think about what S stands for, and HTF is hits the fan. Okay? Okay. So... Please consider supporting Encouraging Angels. You can give uh, using your card at www.encouragingangels.org. Click on the Donate tab and then click on the Cornerstone link that we have right there. Um, And they are a great payment processor. You can also give directly by sending something to our P.O. box. I would be remiss to say, uh, let me say two other things. Is that number one is that we just hit 10,000 downloads. So thank you to everybody who's listening to this show. Please, um, you know, uh, click on the, uh, like the, the like or the, you know, to be announced when every time we have a show, um, you know, to follow the show, whether you're on Podbeam or Spotify. I've got to get us on Apple Podcasts because that will be a big boost. Uh, I found out what was wrong, why our podcast wasn't getting on there. So I've got to spend some time fixing that. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to figure that out. Um, And I do want to say, you know, given everything that we talked about today, please consider uh, a purchase if if you can swing it. Uh, of Jack Lawson's Civil Defense Manual. And you can see it and get an idea exactly of what it is by going to civildefensemanual.com. Jack has assimilated great writers, not only himself, but also NC Scout on communications, Matt Bracken on uh, basically night fighting, uh, Sam Culper on uh, area study and intelligence, and, uh, you know, the, the chapters on food and water, 
and assembling a neighborhood protection team. Uh, very important. It's 950 pages. It's a two-volume set. It is $100, uh, but that is invaluable. You know, uh, how many of us who are listening to my voice right now uh, have gone through a societal breakdown? Well, guess what? You're, you know, the answer is probably none. Um, and uh, number two, you know, I, when I, I'm 63. When I grew up, we listened to at least once a month uh, the, the um, you know, the civil defense um, alarm. When they said this is only a test, this is a test of the uh, the civil defense system um, or the emergency alert system. It was civil defense. And you hear the tone and they say this is only a test, blah, blah. Um, that's that, that does not happen any longer. In fact, if there were a nuclear event because a war started and a war it will probably be over, uh, <laughs> it might be over in an hour these days. Um, but if... You know, and there was a nuclear exchange that involved uh, the continental United States of America. Uh, where would you go? Um, you know, for most of us, it'll be a basement, you know, in our house. But, um, you know, Russia can hold a whole city like all of Moscow can go under underground and be safe from a nuclear attack. Did you know that? Did you know that that South Korea just ran drills to I think put 50 million people underground in case of a nuclear attack? This is where we are, folks. You know, for for those who doubt, uh, you need to wake up. So I pray that you would. Uh, but America, America does not have civil defense. For its citizens. What you going to do? Civildefensemanual.com. Check it out. Um, all right. This is the Encouraging Angels podcast. I'm Stan Szymanski, and I look forward to seeing you right here next time. <laughs>